Welcome to the Empower Podcast by Mitchell. Thank you for joining us on the Empower Podcast. I'm your host, Shelly Callahan, and today we're talking about COVID-19 and its potential impact on the auto industry. We'll start first with Debbie Day, Executive Vice President and General Manager. So, so much has happened um, in the marketplace, and I feel like the the market has really responded in powerful ways. Uh, What are you seeing? Uh, First, you know, it's so interesting because this isn't just about work. You see evidence of the effects in auto claims and repair in the news every day, and this isn't always the case, Um, but I'm going to start with mandatory shelter-in-place restrictions. Obviously, here in the U.S., there's 300 million people and counting. We've all been urged to stay at home. We have 100% of our auto physical damage employees working from home, and we're trying to flatten the curve. Um, That means people aren't driving, and so there's less auto claims. Uh, We operate as a division in both the U.S. and Canada, and in almost every jurisdiction, financial institutions, insurance carriers, and auto repair are considered essential. So given this auto physical damage, the whole market faces special responsibilities and challenges. The one thing that I profile is as you play this out, the biggest effect for consumers right now is that auto insurance carriers are issuing refunds. So last week, State Farm, that's the largest auto insurer, said it would give policyholders an approximate 25% on credit on premiums. Everybody is picking a different percentage, but for all the large carriers, uh, Geico, Allstate, Progressive, Liberty, USAA, Farmers, all are issuing credits. And it's gonna be interesting to watch to see how long that goes and if that's going to be quote enough. And then uh, just on a personal note, as far as response in the, the industry, I've been super impressed by how quickly everyone has hustled to transition to a new way of working, supporting new workflows, new technologies, and continuing to drive the economy forward as an essential business. And, you know, we see this every day because more things are happening virtually, like this podcast. And I feel like this um, it, this major disruption also allows for some really cool opportunities. You reference this for new ways of doing business, workflows, just being very creative and almost pushing forward innovation in a space and a span that we maybe haven't seen before. What are you thinking about or what are you hearing from our customers? Right on. I, I, for me, I think it is the opportunity for innovation. Obviously, it's affecting all of us as individuals, our world, political landscape, um, all the industry practices. But last week, insurance thought leadership said COVID-19 will bring many challenges, but it may be the reset button for insurance innovation. And I agree with that. Um, You know, sometimes you need a a reset button in, in it may take a very, very unique and unusual way. And I think that's where we are. So um, I'll go back to sheltering in place. The good news about what's happening right now is we've never had a crisis where we've had broad and secure internet access in our homes. 
And we also have websites that people can use that are secure. We can access production systems. So we, we really can work from home and have it be legit. Um, on, on our side in auto physical damage, we've always been uh, underlining our commitment to proper and safe repair. It's been our focus. It's now more important than ever. And I think the innovation for disruption on this one is also very significant. We have, an, we have a, a way now to protect consumers and our employees during the repair of vehicles back to a safe pre-accident condition. And we've been you know, focused on things like cloud, scanning, diagnostics, calibrations, OEM repair procedures. And these, all these innovations, which are firsts to the auto physical damage industry, are paying off during this crisis. So I think we all have to think differently. And you know, as a, as a person who loves going into the office, I personally have had to think very differently and uh, think about what kind of opportunity this presents for me, our division, uh, while we reduce risk to our employees, our customers, the consumers themselves. And uh, I think this transformational opportunity is gonna help us all navigate COVID in the next year or so. And really you're, you're focusing on what is the new normal? Um, you're, you're talking about a whole shift in our entire generation about what it looks like, what interactions look like with, with companies. Am I doing everything now on my phone and interacting that way? And it, it's a whole new way of thinking. And what should repairs and carriers be thinking about this new normal? You know, it's funny. Well, I, and it's, I'm sure you're thinking about the same thing, Shelly. I ask um, our customers and partners this every single day because I'm really curious to see what they're going to take away and what we all will take away on the travel front. Um, I think the biggest thing is how we connect is changing, but it's super important that we stay connected. So when I think about this new normal or, you know, what's, what's, what we're going to be focused on, I gave some guidance in this recent CCAST, which is a part of CICA, which is a standards board in the auto physical damage industry uh, two weeks ago. And I said, for me, it's focused on four things. The first is we need to focus on partnerships. Uh, we've always been talking about partner well, but we have to do this in order to put society back to where it needs to be. Nobody's going to be able to be an island and get us back to normal. And for us to thrive, we've got to help each other. So Progressive just last week announced that they're going to be giving $2 million to its network shops uh, to help them restart because mo nearly all of them are very, very small businesses. The second is General Motors just announced today that they increased a uh, significant investment in their collision repair network, particularly targeted at the GM dealers. So that's partnerships. Um, I've talked a little bit already about technology and accelerating to support a virtual world. Here our kids are learning virtually. Uh, I, we could go on and on about this one, but this combination of cloud, 5G connectivity, artificial intelligence, incorporating live video into our process, that's gonna change how we interact with each other. 
The third one is this opportunity to reimagine our role in the industry. Um, clearly, there's going to be changes in airline travel, mass transit, commuting. The role of the private passenger vehicle is going to change for a very, very long time. We don't know when people are going to get back on planes or, or be able to commute via subways, for example. And so maybe we'll see more miles driven as, as we come out of this. Um, but we do know that we have an opportunity to change the way we do things to better support the consumers and the vehicles uh, safely in the future. And then finally, you know, I always think about how we can make the most of this to reimagine ourselves. I've been talking to everyone and I, I put my own list of what I'd like to uh, what skills I'd like to acquire and uh, how I can improve. Um, and I'll, I'll give you two personal examples. The one uh, that I haven't gotten to yet is I wanna learn how to um, be a bonsai gardener because I have several bonsais, but it's time to repot them and I'm completely skitzed out about being able to do that because I don't know how, but I'm gonna do it. Um, and then the other thing is I think this pace uh, of working from home has really changed the way people are listening. And I, I'm definitely working on that. And I notice all our people are on time for everything. So where people used to be running from meeting to meeting and always five minutes late, we're not doing that anymore. So I think this opportunity to reinvest in ourselves, set new goals, acquire new skills is going to be really interesting and it's up to all of us to make the most of this opportunity. I love that. It's so zen. And <laughs> yes, and it is. Zen burden as well. <laughs> I think that's, um, it's smart to take a look at not just your business processes, but the way we do work and um, seeing the efficiencies and where we can streamline things. We noticed um, all over the place that, hey, is there a better way? I feel like yep. Deutsch, there has to be a better way. Can we automate this? And, and it's a great opportunity. Um, and thinking long-term, what, what do you think the impact will be? Um, I think long-term impact is the biggest question for us all. Um, you may know that Mitchell is celebrating his 75th birthday this year and auto physical damage is, is the heritage of the company. In 1946, Glenn Mitchell founded Mitchell by talking about and writing about how to repair vehicles. And so now all this long-term impact is very, very different. 75 years later, iPads, laptops, phones, smart glasses, browsers, all the, all the things that we've talked about. I, I believe that the long-term impact will depend on what we all decide to do as individuals, cities, counties, states, and as a nation. Um, yes, the industry is one aspect of this, but I think this is going to come down to a series of everyone's individual decisions. And, um, but speaking of the industry, I know we're resilient, that much I know. Uh, I believe we're gonna continue down this road of innovation. I believe that we're gonna come out further ahead if we, haven't, if we hadn't been impacted by COVID-19. Uh, I do believe that collectively we'll find new and better ways of doing business and, and meeting consumer needs. I believe that we're going to continue on proper and safe repair of vehicles. Um, it's a matter of when.
And the long-term impact is how long is this going to last and how are we going to come out of it emerging better than we were having entered it? Absolutely. And I feel like we're all going to be excited to drive again. I mean, there, there's this feeling of adventure and, and freedom <laughs> that, you know, and before I was like, oh, okay, I'm commuting. Great. But I, I almost think it may be a rebirth of the road trip or a rebirth of the car is a vehicle literally and figuratively of escape and freedom. So uh, there's mm -hmm. definitely some silver linings in there. Um, what have you seen for silver linings? You know, I'm just, I'm just energized uh, as you are, Shelly, because uh, our employees are doing great. They've been so creative. I'm so proud of each and every one of them doing things we didn't even contemplate a month ago. Um, all the, the stakeholders in the industry, carriers, repairers, automakers, part suppliers, um, I'm just really looking forward to supporting them and working with them as we face this challenge together uh, because it's now up to us to define our future together. I love that. Up to us to define our future together. That's a fantastic way to end the podcast. Thank you so much, Debbie. Great insights, inspiration. We're excited to, to hear more. We'll definitely loop back around. Um, so thank you. Really appreciate it. Next, we'll chat with Michelle Hibbert, Senior Vice President of Regulatory Compliance Management. Today, we're talking about auto casualty and how it's changed, what's the impact, and everything going on as it relates to COVID-19. We're sitting here mid-April, uh, and I mentioned that because things change day by day. Um, I know for me personally, I've uh, already received an email with a percentage off on my auto insurance because I really haven't been driving. And I'm sure that a lot of other people are in the same boat, um, but a lot more trucks on the road. So with fewer cars and as we all practice social distancing, Michelle, what do you think the impact will be on auto claim frequency? Well, you know, the, really the only uh, guideline we have to go uh, with for auto claims and looking at it are miles driven. Uh, every day it's recorded, miles driven. And when we look at other situations where miles driven may be less, it can be in areas like the northern states during the winter when people drive less because of the snow and try to correlate the driving less, the miles to the number of crashes that can occur, that's done often, um, and trying to equate the number of miles driven to folks going to uh, the provider's offices when they need to. Again, um, that's really what we have historically when we look at the type of data on auto crashes that it's meaningful to us. So. You can make an assumption that when people drive less, there's less crashes. Simple enough. When people drive less, they're not going to the provider's offices. They're not going to um, their work environment. They're not out in the public. So 
definitely from a uh, severity perspective, we plan on seeing a decline in claims during this period of time. We also expect uh, people to not be going physically to the provider. Uh, much of what we do in auto casualty involves hands-on touch by a provider. When you think about the illnesses and the injuries that you see in auto accidents, the whiplash injury, um, we call it soft tissue, sprains and strains, um, that the claimant goes, or the patient goes to the provider to have care like massage, electrical stimulation, chiropractic manipulation. It represents more than 60 to 65% of the claims that we see in auto. So we're definitely gonna see an impact um, in that type of frequency when people can't actually physically go to those providers and have that touch done to them. Yeah, a, a lot of people um, are changing their habits. And I know on the regulatory environment, um, things have changed with the soft tissue damage. Has that, has that changed telemedicine maybe seen an increase? Tell us a little bit more about some of those changes that you've seen. Well, I think uh, on the auto side, it's really, you still have a policy. A policy is in force and it's a contract between, you know, between the consumer and the insurance company. Uh, we're seeing a lot more activity in telehealth and telemedicine on the healthcare side and on the workers' comp side. And the AMA has been, um, you know, putting out their notices on what are the appropriate telemedicine, telehealth codes to be used. CMS has, and in some of the states that we uh, utilize fee schedules, et cetera, in the auto casualty market, uh, that applies. So we're starting to slowly see a little bit more adoption of telehealth, telemedicine in the auto casualty, but not at the level of workers' compensation. Um, when, it, when it becomes a standard of care like it is now due to COVID-19 and not being able to get to the provider's office, uh, it becomes more acceptable to use and because of the new billing codes and the modifiers, et cetera, that are out there, it's making it easier for the provider to um, provide the appropriate codes for the billing. Uh, as a, a side note, one of the uh, main sources that's utilized in auto casualty for review of prices by providers is a database provided by Fair Health. And Fair Health uh, quickly came out with not just um, telemedicine, telehealth, they've always had that, but they quickly came out with the testing uh, prices that they were able to assemble for the, all the new COVID-19 testing uh, and observation codes that they put in place. So they did within a very short period of time uh, able to perform analytics on data of similar types of testing codes because the, the testing is very similar to other types of testing that's done for other flus, they were able to come up with, um, you know, benchmark rates is what they call them for these types of things. So we're seeing that type of activity and movement very quickly um, to get things ready for the provider to bill in all the things that are happening now because of COVID-19. And the other thing that um, I think you mentioned was timelines. So people changing 
um, timelines. I know West Virginia looked at it, New Jersey looked at it, um, maybe even Minnesota. Could you share a little bit about um, how that's changing? Yes, uh, when we, it's, it's kind of funny because when we first started uh, tracking everything for COVID-19, the coronavirus, uh, any legislation or emergency bulletins. We were even tracking all the shelters in place because we wanted to understand what states would be, you know, the patients be having difficulty getting to the providers or not going to the providers. And we needed to understand the data associated and where we would see in our own data a decline of frequency, et cetera. So it it, we start, when we first started to collect all this uh, regulatory data, it became really apparent that the departments of insurance were issuing a leniency to the carriers in the payment of claims and in, regula in the regulatory aspects of the work that they do. Um, they, there's really none that have said, don't do your job in this during this crisis but they uh, they pretty much have an understanding that if it takes you a little bit longer to do it and you're always doing the right thing to get it done to make sure you take care of that policyholder and do the right thing as you've seen um, in all state insurance state farm most recently giving back money to the policyholders because people aren't driving um, you're you're seeing that done already and it and it helps a carrier to um, be more consumer oriented in the in in this respect. And it also helps the consumer understand that there are challenges on the payer side as well during this COVID crisis. So I think um, the payments out by these carriers for those mileage policies, especially, um, have gone over very well with the consumer. Absolutely, we all must adapt and overcome, right? Exactly, and. I, even though the media may say that the auto casualty insurer could expect a windfall profit during the COVID-19 crisis because people aren't driving, there's less accidents, they're still paying their premiums, et cetera. This was a way the carriers wanted to adopt a more consumer-friendly approach, and I think many of them certainly did by um, doing that. That's great. Um, overall, kind of looking at the auto casualty industry, it's hard to have a crystal ball because everything changes on a day-to-day -day basis. But as we sit today, uh, what are some of the impacts that you think will be on a macro level for the auto insurance industry? Well, you know, you can certainly look at um, 17 million people not employed right now. Right, so 17 million people aren't driving to work, 17 million people are not getting into auto accidents in the normal um, way. Normally what we see um, is that when we see crashes go up, lots of people are employed. When unemployment happens, we see less. It's, there's a correlation there. Overall, the coronavirus, we believe, the auto industry will certainly rebound and it will be very similar to the way it is was prior to but it's going to go through its motions over the next six eight months to, to get back to that 
type of uh, level of frequency, duration, et cetera, the way it was before. Um, we also believe that many of the employers may like having their employees work at home. There's still, still this aspect of folks not being back on the road in as much frequency as it was before. Um, that remains to be seen. Uh, uh, many employers have been saying how successful this remote working from home has been. Um, I, I would say personally for myself, I, I definitely miss the social aspects of being in the office. I know a lot of you guys do too, um, but I do get a lot of work done when I'm um, not in the office. A lot more thoughtful, thought leadership type of work where we can actually sit and think about what we're doing. So remains to be seen what will what percentage will remain at home after all this is said and done, um, which could equate itself into lower frequency auto accidents. We don't, and that's in first party. We don't plan on seeing any real changes on the third party side um, at all. Uh, but on first party is where we would see it. I would also like to address the delay in care. Soft tissue injuries, it is reported in many of the criteria that look at soft tissue injuries, which represent again 65% of what we see, people heal by 12 weeks, regardless of what is done to them. So if folks are not going and having this palliative care done to them, the massage, the electrum, ultrasound, et cetera, um, are they gonna heal within that 12 weeks? Probably. Then where are they, uh, is that medical care ever going to be administered to them in any way, shape, or form? Probably not. Um, so that is also a question mark at the end of the day. What's going to happen with this whole four week, six week gap where someone would have normally have gone three times a week to a provider and had that type of care? It could change the way um, we pay soft tissue injuries in the future. I guess the data will have to bear it out. But yeah, definitely. if I work from home, I'm going to be looking forward to a road trip uh, when mm -hmm. all of this is lifted. So thank you so much, Michelle, for your expertise, for your leadership. Uh, there's some fantastic articles on our Empower website where you found this. Um, there's an article specifically on auto casualty as well as links to everything you need to know about COVID-19, specifically for our industry, not just general knowledge. Um, so we thank you so much for all your help uh, putting together those. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you soon on the podcast as things change and update and uh, be well. This is Shelly Callahan powering down the Empower podcast by Mitchell. Join the conversation and read articles on our website, mitchell.com empower.